the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Did you hear that? Let me say it again. The just shall live by faith. One more time, because I really want you to get this. Okay, you may want to write this down. The just shall live by faith. Now you're probably thinking, Steve, that, that must be pretty important to you. Because you, you said it four times to us, I think we got it. Well, the truth is, God said it four times to us, that exact phrase. In Habakkuk, in Romans, in Galatians, and in Hebrews. He said to us that the just shall live by faith. So I think from God's perspective... That's pretty important. If he repeats himself four times so that you can get this message. That the just shall live by faith. In fact, the Bible tells us that it is without faith. It is impossible to please him. Now, from God's perspective, this is critically, this is vitally important. But from the world's perspective, this faith looks just a slight bit, no, a whole lot crazy. It looks like crazy faith. And when you look in Hebrews chapter 11, I mean, you see things like men of faith who, who would sacrifice their son because God told them to, or another who would give up everything, all the riches, all the power that the world had to give so they could suffer with Christ. And others we read in that chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, who were tortured, who lived in caves and holes in the ground, who were destitute and hungry, all for one reason, because they had faith. And if there is something that our churches, that we desperately need today, is crazy faith. That looks crazy to the world out there. And we don't even have to look just at Hebrews chapter 11. The truth is we can look today in our own brothers and sisters in Christ. Who are right now, our brothers, our sisters in Christ, who are suffering in labor camps. Why? Because they have faith in Christ and they will not turn from it. Others, our brothers and sisters in Christ, who have been martyred. Why? Because of their faith. They will not turn from Jesus Christ. And so they give everything. And the world would say it's crazy. Most of you all have heard of a lady by the name of Corey Ten Boom. One who is known for her faith. Fewer know about her sister. Her sister Betsy. See, Corey Ten Boom and Betsy were both a part of saving Jews from the Nazis during World War II. Eventually, they both get caught. They both get put in concentration camps. They both go through all the horrors that are involved with, with not having food, with being 
put in rooms about the size of a locker and their arms chained up with being made to stand at attention, with being beaten any time they weren't in line at the right time, the guards would beat them. From the shame of any time they went to the showers or for a doctor visit, they had to take all their clothes off in front of male guards who would mock them and humiliate them. And that was life for Corey and her sister Betsy. But literally, it blew Corey away when one day she heard Betsy praying for those guards. It's like, how can you do that? Betsy says, I feel sorry for them. What? These same guards who would not care two cents for her later when she became so sick that she eventually died. She prayed for them. That is crazy faith. I want to read to you what Betsy said to Corey just days before her death. She said to Corey, there is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. They will listen to us, Corey, because we have been there. Folks, it's that type of faith, that type of crazy faith that we need this morning. It was that same faith that Corey Timboom showed after she was released in World War II, it ended. She had preached in a church and, and she was sharing the message of grace and forgiveness when she looked at the door and sure enough, there is a man she would never forget. One of the guards responsible for Betsy's death. One of the guards responsible for the humiliation that they both suffered. Her worst dream, her worst nightmare came true as he walked towards her. And she thought immediately in her mind, God, I I cannot forgive him. The man comes to her and he says to her this. He said, you mentioned Ravensbrück. That was the name of their concentration camp. He says, you mentioned Ravensbrück in your talk. I was a guard in there. But since that time, he went on, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Will you forgive me? She says she was frozen. Everything in her flesh wanted to just walk away. He put his hand out to her to shake. But that was the last thing she wanted to do. And she just prayed, God, help me. I know your word says that I must forgive because I have been forgiven. And then mechanically, almost woodenly, she raises up her hand. In her own words, as she shook his hand, the spirit of God overwhelmed her. And such joy and grace as she had never experienced before. She says, yes, brother, I forgive you.
And some of us, <laughs> we have a hard time forgiving someone who cut us off in traffic, right? <laughs> well, before we get into how to have crazy faith, I would like to at least look at what a definition of crazy faith really is. What am I talking about? Because a lot of people have a lot of different definitions about faith and what it is. In fact, Merriam-Webster defines faith as a firm belief in something for which there is no proof. That is the worst definition of faith that I have ever heard. People would look at faith as like it's just some blind leap in the dark. But let me tell you something. Christians don't check their brains in at the foyer when they come to church. Faith is not a blind leap in the dark. If anything, faith is a leap into the light. And if you look at faith as something, well, I just got to hope that I hope that I hope that it comes out okay, then you don't know God and you don't know his word. Because faith is not a blind leap in the dark. Faith is built upon something that is more sure than that chair that you're sitting in this morning. And we need that type of crazy faith. It's not a blind leap in the dark. And let me tell you, faith is not a feeling. I can't tell you the number of times people just turned from Christ because of a tragedy, because of a sadness. And for some reason, they thought faith would just be a feeling that would happen all the time and they'd be warm and fuzzy and life would just be great. But that's not crazy faith. If it hasn't happened to you yet, there will be times, I promise you this, When your faith will not cling to a feeling, but your faith will cling to a God. Hoping against hope, holding on to him because he's all that you have. But he's enough. Hear me, he's enough. No matter what you go through, he is enough. And you may not have that feeling that you want, that you so desire, You may be going through a dark night of the soul, but even though you can't see him, he is there and he's enough. Also, faith isn't just simply reason. Now, when I say faith's not reason, I don't mean reason's not involved. There is reason for following God and believing in Christ. I could give you a list of reasons and evidences, but at the same time, I've not seen God And to an atheist, to a skeptic, I couldn't say, here's God, measure him, weigh him, observe him, make your scientific analysis on him. I believe there's a God. I know there is a God. Faith goes beyond reason. I have never seen God. I've never seen the the nail-pierced hands of our Savior. But I know this. I know that he died on a cross for me. I know three days later, I know that he rose again in victory over death. I know that he ascended up into heaven and listen, I know that one day he is coming back. And there'll be a day when there will be no more pain and no more suffering. No more death. Because he will overcome it all. Faith is more than just reason. And faith is not simply a belief either. Now, I know that's confusing because I thought faith was belief. You know, if I had to define faith, I would say belief. No, not the way we use belief. Let me just say that. The way we use it 
uh, is nothing close to faith. In fact, in James 2.19, it says this. It says, you believe, in, you believe God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder, but the demons do not have faith. I mean, the demons know who Jesus Christ is. Every time Jesus delivered somebody from a demon, they came out saying, you're the son of the most high God. They know who he is, but they are not willing to put their faith and trust in him. In fact, my whole life growing up, man, I believed in Jesus. I believed that Jesus was born in a manger in Bethlehem. I believed that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again the third day. I was so crazy, man. I even believed he was born on Christmas. But I was lost. I was lost. Why? Because faith is more than just simple belief. Faith is reliance and trust. I had not put my trust in him. I hadn't put my whole self in his hands. I had simply believed something. Faith is not simply a belief. Let me tell you what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. In fact, if we look at Hebrews 11.1, it says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. That first phrase uses the word hope, the assurance of things hoped for. Now, that can be kind of confusing. To us, hope implies uncertainty. It is a wishing, a maybe, a perhaps, I hope. I get a brand new red Corvette on my birthday. It's probably not going to happen, but it's a hope. But that's not how God uses hope. There is not a trace of uncertainty when God uses the word hope in the Bible. And in the Bible, hope is based upon divine promises of God that we know will come true. That word assurance is kind of a Different word also. It could be translated confidence or guarantee. It's used, it was used a lot of times in the Greek for the selling of property, for land, for an estate or something that would come, come across. You'd have the papers uh, uh, and the documents that would say that you could own this piece of property, that you possessed it. You would present those documents. It'd be like a title deed. In fact, we could almost translate that, that faith is the title deed of things hoped for. All these things that God has for us, we receive by the title deed, by our faith. Faith is the title deed to receiving those things hoped for, those things given to us by God. But not only that, faith is the conviction of things not seen. If we are to live by faith, we must not allow ourselves to just live by simple physical senses, what we see, taste, touch, smell, and hear. We must not let them have the last word. We have to move out of the sense realm into the scripture realm. If our five senses tell us one thing and scripture tells us another, we must believe the scriptures. We walk by faith, not by sight. Do you believe that God exists? Do you believe his son died for you? Do you believe that he rose from the dead? Do you believe that he is coming back? Do you believe that with all your heart? That it changes how you behave. It changes your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Do you believe it that much? It's a conviction of things not seen. We walk by faith, not by sight. Now, what crazy things happen when you walk by faith? Because the world would say, if you walk by faith, the world's going to say, you crazy. 
You are crazy. Well, a couple of things that we see happen. One is we see what is not visible. We look at Moses, it says, by faith, in Hebrews eleven twenty seven, that he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Now, how do we see him? Well, we see him through this crazy face. God does this all the time to his children. You probably remember the story of Joshua when he was coming into the, uh, to the promised land. He's the one that led the children of Israel into the promised land. You remember their first battle. What was it? Jericho, right? First place they had to battle against was Jericho. Huge walled city. Mighty warriors. Man, it looked like an impossible task. And God meets with him. And it's so it's just kind of funny what God says to him. He says this to Joshua. As they're out there outside Jericho looking at the walled city. God says, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its valiant warriors. Now, all Joshua could see is a city completely walled up, very secure, with mighty warriors. How in the world was he going to see that God had given that city into his hand? Only with the eyes of a faith that is crazy. I mean, looking at Hebrews eleven thirteen, which is speaking of Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah, says, all these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. We see what's not visible, but what's even crazier is that we rejoice in difficulties. We look at James 1, 2, it says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Now, notice it doesn't say rejoice for the difficulties. The truth is when those difficulties, those trials come, we as believers can rejoice in them. You probably remember the story of Paul and Silas. They were in Philippi. They were beaten within an inch of their life. After they were beaten, they were thrown into the back of the dungeon. They were put in stocks. And then about midnight, what did they do? That's right. They sang praises and hymns to God. That's crazy crazy faith. The other prisoners there had to think they're crazy. But that's crazy faith that can hold on to God in the midst of our trials. You know, the fact is Jesus said this. He promised this. You may not like this promise, but it's a promise from Jesus himself. In this world, you will have tribulations. Anyone want to say amen to that? The fact is, Jesus never pictured as a rose garden at this life on this earth for us. He said, you will have tribulation. But then he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Let me tell you what you're going through, that difficulty, that trial that you're going through, it's temporary. It is temporary. You can make it through that. There is coming a time when all that junk will be done away with. Your tears, gone. Pain, gone. Suffering, gone. Death, gone. And we can endure because he's faithful and we can trust him. I know some of you are going through incredibly hard times. I speak to some of you, job loss and marriage heartaches and those things. Let me tell you something. All of those trials and tribulations, they are temporary Hold on. Do not let go. Hold on to him. He's enough. But also, we see that 
crazy faith gives instead of takes. Now, the world would say, man, get, 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 get. Take all you can in. Get as much as you can. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive. In fact, you remember the widow with two mites? She put in those two little pennies. And Jesus said about her, she gave more than the rest because she gave all that she had. All that she had. That is crazy faith. And then it serves instead of demands. It serves instead of demands. Today, leadership is the rage. It quite honestly is. You want to go to the bookstore, the Bible bookstore, even the Christian bookstore, you can find all sorts of books on leadership. They're all over the place. You won't find quite as many on servants or how to be a good slave. They're harder to find. But it's interesting what is important to Jesus. Listen to what he says to his disciples right after they have this argument about who's the greatest. Then Jesus says this. He calls them to himself and he says, you know, that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What's important to Jesus is our servanthood, being a slave to others. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a better leader. I think that's good that you ought to be a, if you're going to be a leader, to be a good leader. I just think we're a tad out of balance. Does that make sense? I mean, Jesus wants you to serve. People get all excited about people, you know, up here preaching. Wow, awesome. That is so great, man. What an awesome guy he must be. But let me tell you something. There's going to be a lot of servants who never stood foot on a stage. They're going to be getting rewards because they were servants for Jesus Christ and they did it in faith. I think what we need to hear about is maybe all the preschool workers right now in preschool are those in children, are those in the students, are those out there on the parking lot sweating, getting place, people for, uh, places for people to park, the person who makes a coffee, so we have coffee every morning. Nobody sees it, nobody notices it, but Jesus does. And he says, that's important to me. We need to serve, not to be the one in the spotlight, but be the ones behind the scenes, serving, just serving for service sake. And I will promise you this, if you give even a cup of cold water to a little child, you will in no way lose your reward that Jesus will see it. That's crazy faith. And here's the other thing is that it loves its enemies. Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What? But isn't that just what Betsy did, Corey Ten Boom's sister? That is crazy, crazy faith. And then finally, it sacrifices self instead of pampering self. Can I give you all a little pet peeve that I have? This is, just don't ever say this to me, okay? Please just don't ever, ever. It's just a pet peeve I have. Just don't ever say this to me. People say it. Don't say it to me. Don't ever come to me and say, you know, I just need some me time. Dear Lord, I want to puke. Can we obliterate that phrase from the English language? You don't need no me time, okay? You probably got too much me time. What you need is some Jesus time, right? 
Yeah. Now, I don't mean we can't rest or take vacations, but, man, we need to focus on Jesus Christ. Jesus said we ought to be dead to ourselves, and you don't want to spend time with a corpse, do you? Spend time with Jesus. In fact, this is what Jesus says. If anyone wishes to come after me, now listen to this, he must deny himself, take up his cross, an instrument of execution, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That does not sound like me time. The fact is we need to give ourselves completely to the Lord. We need to not hold anything back. 24-7. That's what he's owed. Now, are you ready to get crazy? Right? Y'all ready to get a little cray-cray? That's how we say it now, right? Let's get cray-cray, man. All right. Well, let's get cray-cray. Now, let me tell you something. Getting cray-cray don't just happen. It's not like God's going to send a lightning bolt and go, boom, wow, do I have faith. This is amazing. That's not going to happen. The first of all, you're going to have to do, it's going to take some preparation. It's going to take some time in prayer. It's a gift from God. You're going to have to spend time in prayer for this. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And certainly you can't live by faith without him. So the first thing you need to do is get on your face before God and say, God, I want you to increase my faith. I need faith. And God honors that request. You remember the, the, the dad who had the son in the Bible who was demon-possessed and the disciples, they couldn't deliver the, uh, the, his son from the demons? And then here comes Jesus. And the dad's desperate at this point. The disciples couldn't help his son. And he goes to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you can do anything, please help me. And Jesus took, like that, took that like almost as an insult. He looked up and says, if? Man, do you know who you're talking to? With faith, all things are possible. And the father said this. I want you to hear what he said to Jesus. He says, I do believe. Help my unbelief. He was desperate. His son needed help. No one could help, but Jesus could. And you know what? After that, Jesus did not rebuke him at all. In fact, Jesus delivered his boy. There are times... I think that every one of us need to get before Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. And I believe he answers that prayer. But the other thing is we need to completely surrender everything. Now, when I say completely surrender everything, this is what I mean. That you come before God in prayer and you say, God, the answer is yes. And you're probably asking me, well, what's the question? I'm saying it don't matter. You're saying, God, whatever you ask of me, whatever you want, yes. I am holding nothing back. You come in there with your own kind of agenda. God's not going to honor that. There has to come, the Bible says to present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's everything. That's all you are. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. It is saying, God, I say yes to whatever the question is that you're asking me to do. Yes. Until you come to that point, you will never have, you'll never have crazy faith. The faith that the Bible talks about. It was interesting about Moses that he chose rather, now get this, this is crazy, chose rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. 
Egypt was the most powerful, most wealthiest country at that time. And what Moses said is, I consider the sufferings of Jesus more valuable to me than all the wealth that Egypt could give me. Do you consider the sufferings of Christ more valuable to yourself than all the treasures that this country could give you? It takes prayer. It takes, it takes knowledge. In fact, in Hebrews eleven six, it says, He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that seek him. You must seek him. I mean, we have to seek him so that we can know him. Look, our faith is not, our faith is not just based upon some, some philosophy. Our, our faith is not based upon some mathematical formula. Our faith is based upon a person, God. Is he faithful? Can you trust him? Can you believe him? Can you surrender every part of your life to him? The only way you'll come to that is when you come to know him. You have to spend time in his presence. Because our faith is based upon a person, God. God Almighty, and you have got to come to the point that you say, yes, I can trust him. I can trust him with my family. I can trust him with my finances. I can trust him with my very life. I can trust him with my eternity. But to do that, you have to seek him. And then you also have to diligently seek his word. How can we know the truth unless we read the truth or we hear the truth? In fact, the scripture says, so faith comes from hearing And hearing by the word of Christ. Did you catch that? You want to increase your faith? What do you have to do? Increase your time in the word. This word is what gives us the truth. In a world of lies. In a world that says, hey, take care of number one. In a world that says you need this or you need that. This is the truth. How do you counteract those lies? You've got to know the truth. You have to diligently seek him. And then you have to diligently seek his word. How did Abraham come to the point of actually going up that mountain to sacrifice his son? How did that happen? Because he knew the promises of God. That's how. Look at Hebrews eleven seventeen through 90. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. That's incredible. Just that one part is incredible. And he, and this is what it says, and he who had received the promises from who? From God, was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac... Your descendants shall be called. He knew that God had said his descendants would come through Isaac. And he considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a tithe. You see, he knew God's promises. He didn't know how God was going to do it. But he knew God was going to do something. He was going to make it work. And he trusted him. He knew the word of God. So it takes preparation, right? takes knowledge but the last thing is it takes experience and let me tell you one of the things that's great it's not even just doesn't have to be all your experience i mean you can check the references look at hebrews chapter 11 there's references there what's called the roll call of faith a great cloud of witnesses in hebrews chapter 11 and do you know what they all say every one of them they say god is faithful every one of them says you can trust him his word is true his word is sure you can bet your life on it That's what every one of them say. That's what Corey Tenboon says. That's what her sister Betsy says. That's what all the believers in the Middle East who are suffering in North Korea, who are suffering right now, they're saying God is worth it. You can check his references. 
And then the, I say, you decide to come to a point, you just do it. You just obey. You may not want to, but you just do it. I love this little passage on Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. That's pretty simple, isn't it? But you're never going to know God until you step out of the boat like Peter did and walk on water. You have got to obey. You have to come to a point that you say, God, yes, I trust you, and I'll obey you. In fact, the Bible says that faith without works is dead. And the last thing is, I think you've got to burn your bridges. You know, a story in uh, the Bible with Moses. You remember he was at the Red Sea, brought the children of Israel there. You remember that story? And what was coming at him? The whole Egyptian military, the most powerful nation on earth. There they were, Red Sea, the army. Where did they have to go? Nowhere. They were at the point, get this, they were at the point that God would be God or they were sunk. They were sunk. What I'm saying to do here is get rid of the uh, exit doors in your faith. All right? Get rid of the fire escape. Go all in. I mean, holding nothing back. No escape clauses in this contract. No, you're saying, God, I trust you, and I'm going all in. I'm holding nothing back. I'm giving you everything I got. Burn your bridges so there's no turning back. The truth is, that's crazy faith. The world will think you're crazy, but you will please God. You will please God by your faith. Let me ask you this. Is more faith a part of your prayers? Do you ask God for more faith? Have you come to the point where you say to God, yes. Have you come to that point of total surrender? Yes. Total abandonment. Yes, God. No matter it is what you want. Yes. Is he your greatest treasure? Is knowing him your greatest pleasure? Do you long? Do you long to spend time in his word because you know it comes from him and you know it's the truth? You know when there are promises. You know when there are direction and instruction. If your answer is yes, then I just say go all in. Seek his faith, seek his will, and then just do it. His word is full of promises, instructions, commands. But the question really comes down to this. This is what it comes down to. Do you believe God? Because everything in this world will scream out at you that you can't trust him. The first temptation by Satan to Eve, has God really said You will not surely die. And she took her faith and trust out of God. Do you believe him? Then you will show a faith that this world thinks is crazy, but is pleasing to God. Well, this morning, I would like to just, if you would, bow your head and close your eyes. I want to speak to two groups. I'm speaking to two groups this morning. We're about to partake of the Lord's Supper, and some of you, quite honestly, you're not sure that if, that if you were to die, that you would go to heaven. You've always believed. I'm not saying you hadn't believed. You always, kind of like I did when I was lost, I had these facts, 
and I believed that Jesus had died, but I hadn't put my full faith and trust in him. I had kind of meddled around the edges of church, but I hadn't given myself completely to him. Have you done that? I mean, do you... Now listen to this. Do you know that you know that you know that if you were to die today, you would spend eternity with him? Man, you need to know that. Or maybe you know that quite honestly, you're here and you don't know why you're here. <laughs> but you know this. You know, this is the one thing you know, that if you were to die today, you would not be spending eternity with him. This is what I want you to do. If you're in either one of those groups, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray with me. I want you to nail it down this morning. I want you to nail down your eternity, your eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I want you to give your life to him this morning. I want you to go all in. And I promise you, he will save you. If that is the desire of your heart, just pray with me this prayer, please. Heavenly Father, I admit that I am a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of every sin. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose again. And at this very moment, Lord, I'm all in. I'm turning away from sin turning away of my way of making life work and I'm turning completely to you I'm yours the answer is yes Lord and I ask you to save me and I pray this in Jesus name Amen